Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview an electrifying piano player from New York, Theodore Hill. How you doing, Theodore? Yeah, I'm good. I've, well, I've been better. You know what I mean? Some days are better than others in this. You know, they talk about BC before Christ, but now it's like what the world was like before COVID. You know what I mean? That's the new BC, you know? Deep. I give you that. <laughs> well, could you introduce to the people who you are? Absolutely. My name's Theo Hill. I'm a jazz pianist, um, composer. I also play keyboards and synthesizers. I'm a synthesizer enthusiast. I'm also a world traveler and um, educator, and um, uh, and I'm a lover of, of all world musics and a, stu- a student of music for life. Where have you studied? Um, wow. Uh, well, I mean, formally, I took lessons at a very early age uh, with a, a wonderful piano teacher. Her name was Mary Moran. And then when I was 12 years old, I started studying jazz with... Um, a woman by the name of Lee Shaw, who is actually a student of Oscar Peterson in upstate New York, where I'm from. I'm from Albany, New York. And then I decided to go to SUNY Purchase for my undergrad, where I studied with uh, Charles Blenzig, who is just this amazing teacher um, and really giving teacher. And I also got the opportunity to study with Hal Galper there for a couple of years. Um, and that was really enlightening. But I'm going to be honest, man. I really learned this music from playing with older people um, from when I was a teenager and then until when I left school and I moved to Harlem and I kind of made it my business to try to play with as many old black men as I could, you know what I mean? Wow. And, um, I used to make all my money above 125th street around 125th street when I moved to New York, this was in 2003 and, um, it's very, very humble beginnings. I, I starved for many, many years, and um, I used to play for mostly black audiences in Harlem. You know, I played like Lennox Lounge, St. Nick's Pub, tons of little hole-in-the-wall, little bakery, little restaurant, little Caribbean John, soul food restaurants. I played all kinds of stuff. Um, And I'm going to be honest, that's where I feel like I really learned how to play this music. Um, I had a couple really great mentors, people like Bill Saxton. And uh, Frank Lacey, Kumba Frank Lacey, who I mentioned with, I still play with them to this day. And uh, I've been playing at, uh, with Bill Saxon at this place called uh, Bill's Place, which is on 133rd Street in Lenox. That actually was where Billie Holiday was discovered in 1933 or something like that. Um, and 133rd Street has a lot, of, a lot of history from back in the day in Swing Street. So um, I've been doing that with Bill for over 16 years and I still... I still play in Harlem, you know what I mean? When I'm not on the road or I don't have anything else going on, I still try to play in Harlem because that's where my roots are. All right, man. Musically. And yeah. where are you currently located right now? Wow. Right now, I'm, um, I'm near Playa Garza on the Pacific Coast in Costa Rica in on the Nicoya Peninsula, a very small little place on the edge of the earth. Um, that's like a surfing paradise and it's also like a small little fishing village real close by. 
Um, it's super relaxed and super natural. There's animals everywhere, monkeys in the trees and incredible exotic birds everywhere. And it's, it's, I'm kind of like trapped in paradise at the moment. <laughs> During the situation, you're in paradise. I like that. I like that, man. So are you recording down there? Are you writing down there? Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot. I've, I've got, I'm trying to assemble a better studio setup. I've only been here a couple weeks. Um, I have some synthesizers with me. Um, but honestly, up until, I mean, I'm still have classes and I'm, I'm finishing my master's at Rutgers. So I still have some classes I'm doing online. I have some assignments for my graduate degree, but, um, so far this has not really been a writing or artistic, uh, you know, endeavor for me up, up to this point, it's really just been more about survival and getting things in place and almost running for my life from Brooklyn, <laughs> you know what I mean? To try to get set up down here. Understood. But you dropped a sick album in January, if I'm correct, Reality Check. And you yeah. wrote that while at Rutgers on the campus in Harlem, in Costa Rica. Where was most of it written? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I, I wrote that music, recorded it last May, I believe. Um, and... Um, some of the songs that I written, I mean, I didn't write them all in one place. You know what I mean? Some of them could see if I, I performed some of them before I'd been working on some of that music and workshopping that music for, in some cases, a couple of years. Um, the session itself was kind of just like one of those kind of dream moments that I had always wanted. I had played with Mark Whitfield Jr. and Rashawn Carter um, in a trio setting some years before. I think we played winter jazz fest at zinc bar i forget what year what the, that was that was several years ago um and in fact i was trying to get that a similar band for another one of my previous records but of course they weren't available so um yeah this time around it just the stars aligned and i was able to get them and then joel was able to make it too which was a total blessing and um i'm gonna be honest most of those tracks were just first takes and there's very little edits on the record. It was almost almost like a live record. Even like the passes that I made on the other keyboards and the synthesizers were just like one take first passes with very little editing. So um no, I like it kind that. of yeah, it was kind of a blessing. It was kind of like it was Guardians kind of, of raw life. and organic how it went down. I just kind of let cats be themselves and I trust cats to you know, to be who they are. And I didn't really put any real restrictions on the music. I just told cast to, to do what they do. And we recorded a lot of those on first takes. Okay. So while you're still in the academic world and you're still touring and recording, what is the overlap difference or the weird conflictions you noticed? Well, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, yeah, it's, we're in a bit of a quandary now because the world is shut down. I was supposed to actually be in Spain last week um, with the band, with Joel, Rashan, and and Mark. And we were supposed to be do a couple gigs in Spain. Of course, that all got canceled. Um, you know, after years of, of paying dues and doing lots of traveling, I actually really have been getting really burned out and feeling kind of just dark about playing music professionally for work and involving all the travel and the late nights and just the lifestyle, I think it was really starting to get to me. So uh, a couple of years ago, I, I got the opportunity to attend Rutgers on scholarship and it's been really great for me, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, it's um, 
it's gotten me to think about music in a lot of different ways. I also got the opportunity to study with Fred Hirsch um, and take some classes with him. And that's been truly enlightening. Um, but I think right now I'm just kind of going to take a step back from it all and just take maybe a year or two to just reflect and do a lot of writing and kind of get deep in the shed. I think that's where I, that's where I like to go next, you know? Um, I think being in New York, everybody's concerned about output and everything. Everybody's just very driven to constantly be putting more and more content out. And, um, I've really like so happy with the, with the reaction, the overwhelming reaction to reality check and that people are like really responding to the record. Um, but I think, I think especially given what's going on in world events, I think for me, it's really a time to like kind of get back to being grounded and figuring out where I want to, the kind of artist that I want to be or the kind of artistic statement that I want to make next, you know? Yes, um, I, I think I was going to run into the studio. I was supposed to run into the studio and do another one um, in June. But I think just given everything that's going on, I think it's best for me to just really fall back and then come back with something that's going to be even more meaningful of a statement artistically. Um, I don't know if I'm going to succeed in doing that. but man, You got to think positive. Don't even say that, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think... I don't know. It's just the world is turned upside down and I just don't know what direction it's going to be in. You know what I mean? I think also for me, I'd really like to be able to reach more people with my music. You know, I think jazz audience is very limiting if we're just going to try to think about like who listens to jazz, you know what I mean? Which is like less than 1% of the market. It's very difficult to make any money, but it's less finances and it's more just about being able to try to affect people and try to move people okay. um and as many people as i can try to bring into the more people i can try to bring into the, as, in terms of an audience um i think the not the better but i i think that's what i think in the future i'd like to strive for you know when i think about artists like robert glasper or people like snarky puppy or Corey henry and how they're able to engage masses of people you know and larger demographics of people um that's something that i'm really thinking about you know no, that's a great goal uh -huh. so where do you think jazz will be in 10 years because you mentioned Man. it's one percent of the music field. yeah I know, well, that's something i acknowledge too i'm gonna be honest i from being especially what's been um what i've seen in new york over the last several years the state of jazz is in great hands. There's more players, more young players than who are playing at a very, very high level than I've ever seen. The overall level, general playing level in New York is just, is really unmatched, I think. I think the young cats are playing a lot more than I was or my generation was at that age. You know, especially when I think about people like Joel, like Emmanuel Wilkins, like Davis Whitfield, like Micah. I mean, there's there's a lot of really great musicians. Um, Sean Mason, they seem to be coming out like even younger and younger and better and better every year, you know? Mm -hmm. um, however, with every generation, something new is innovated and then something old is lost, you know? 
and I'm seeing more and more when I, as I am checking out new music, um, I find that I'm becoming more and more conservative in my tastes, <laughs> you know? No, I get you. Um, and I'm feeling like more like an old head and I'm feeling more and more the need to try to represent the music that, um, I don't know, and try to play in a style that, that really, I don't know, you know, it's, I'm just trying to stay true to myself and my own voice, you know what I mean? But I got to play, I, I had the honor of being able to play with some really amazing musicians, um, in my opinion, some of the greatest that were able to do it. And I just, I feel like there's responsibility that I have to try to, to just come correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. What advice would you tell somebody going into music right now? Oof. Uh, man, honestly, I'd say only do it if you have to. <laughs> what do you, you mean know? by have to? Well, you know, music is one of those things where it's like sometimes people get into an industry or do things because they're pushed to do things by other people or they have other motivations. Um, whether it's, I don't know, ego or their family or their peers or this and that or people do it to be cool. Or I think a lot of people even enter the business now to make money. You know what I mean? Um, but when I was the most serious and when I'm the most serious about making music and playing music with others, it's because not because I'm doing it for money or I'm doing it for this and that. It's because I'm overwhelmingly compelled to do that. It's like, I'm, that's the only thing that I have to do. That's what I have to do with my life. Okay. And so that's what I'm, that's what I would say to somebody else. Like only get into the music and only start a career with this music. If that's the, if that's your only hope, if that's like the only thing that you see yourself doing, then you just have to go for that. You know what I mean? You kind of have to have no doubts because if you do have doubts or if you have second guesses, you're not going to be able to move forward. Okay. What is um, so I think, I think just, yeah, if I, if this advice, it would just be just like, make sure that you're willing to, I don't know. I mean, it's a lifelong process, you know? Okay. What is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? Ooh. What is one thing that people un misunderstand? Um, let's see. Uh, God, there's so many. <laughs> the first one that comes uh, to mind, go. Yeah, right. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I, I that's a hard one, man. Even with even within my own family, it's hard to explain to people what I do. You know what I mean? How so? It's very it's very hard to well, because it's not in the United States being a musician isn't really considered like a career like it is in other parts of the world. Um, and musicians in general, particularly jazz musicians, we don't really get very much respect at all. Um for doing what I do. So I think, I think most audience and most people, what they don't understand is that it takes lifetimes to do this and it takes, uh, one lifetime is not enough. And also that I think, uh, man, that's a hard question, man. There's, it's, it's like how, how deep you want. There's so many levels to it, but I think, 
a lot of most people really don't appreciate the amount of sacrifice that we have to make to live this kind of life and to do what we do, you know? Um, people sacrifice their physical health. People sacrifice their physical bodies. People sacrifice their mental health. People sacrifice families. People sacrifice birthdays and Christmases and holidays. People sacrifice a lot. And there's so many generations, you know, so many people that came before us that really had to give everything, you know, and made the ultimate sacrifice to allow us to be able to play this music, you know? So, um, I think, I think that's a thing that even us as jazz musicians, a lot of the time we can forget in this very like ego, selfish, capitalistic kind of driven world that we live in. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's always like a good reminder to just try to stay as humble as possible and, um, and really think of others, you know, who have it harder than me. Okay. So... If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? And would you talk him out of being a musician? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be like, do coding. Do coding. Work for Google. Do anything. <laughs> learn to code. <laughs> yeah, learn how to do coding and learn app development and shit. I'd be a millionaire already, and then I could spend the rest of my life playing with keyboards, you know? Um, no, honestly, man, I... Um, Man, I'm so proud and I'm so grateful for so many of the opportunities that I've had. You know, when I look back at some of the people, some of the opportunities that I've had on stages and all the places that I've been all over the world. And I think most importantly, the kind of brotherhood that I've had um, and, you know, like between my peers and my mentors. And it's just a very special bond that we have as musicians that I would never trade. I, I would never trade that, you know, um, and I never want anything else. I think... If there anything that I tell my younger self, my 18-year-old self, it would be to to save more money and to pace myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Explain to me, the people, what you mean by pace yourself. Well, I mean, you know, there's always that youthful energy that wants more faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is not like that. This is like fine wine. It gets better the older it gets. You know what I mean? The true masters, when we talk about Mulgrew and Kenny Barron and Herbie Hancock and stuff like that, is like, these guys don't just peek out. Like, these guys get better and better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and example. wiser and wiser. And more in control of, you know, uh, of their expression. So, um... I think, you know, music and this business is not a race, you know, music is also not a competition. You know what I mean? Races are for horses. You know what I mean? Um, this is, this is something else entirely. And so, you know, I know a lot of people that have quit or have committed suicide or have become mentally ill or are living on the street or have got become completely addicted to drugs or alcohol or have come or worse. You know what I mean? Who are my age, who are younger than me, who are older than me, you know? Yeah. So I think there's like, you know, it's a very hard life and it's hard life to manage and it's hard to manage the relationships and it's hard to manage families and it's hard to manage health and personal health. And I think especially in this day, especially with what's going on in the world, like 
you know, health is wealth, you know, and um, we talk about mental health. It's it's paramount. You know, we just we just lost Wallace Roney yesterday, you know. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it's very heavy. You know, what I mean, it brings tears to my eye because I remember going to his house in 2000. I don't even know, maybe six or something like that. I went there with Jason Brown for the first time. I got to play with him on several occasions and I got to watch him hand down stories to to Kojo and 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 to all the general and I got to be around all these other musicians who who he influenced so many young musicians that he influenced people like Ben Solomon and Chris Abadie and Rashawn Carter who ended up being coming my homies but younger generations like Emilio Modeste now and and Coach I mean this it's it's really deep especially if you really think about Wallace because he got handed you know it was like Miles was like his dad and and Woody was like his uncle. Woody Shaw was like his uncle. So, you know, um, so it's just the lineage is so deep and it's so special. And it is so is unfortunately it just guys like Wallace. And there's so many guys like that, that are so brilliant. I think he's probably one of the greatest trumpet players ever, but he never really received his due, you know? was kind of blacklisted by a lot of the guys and a lot of the promoters, a lot of the people who were doing tours, was under-recorded, underplayed, under, right, underfunded, under-recognized. Um, so, you know, I think we, you know, there's the huge tribute to pay and there's a huge, um, there's a huge void that's left when people like that leave this earth in the physical plane you know no, that's because those are the connections it was people like him that are our connection to the past that's our connection to miles and tony williams and that's how we're able to the next generation is 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 by being around those people who are able to connect us with the past and teach us the lessons of the past you know yes i agree true griots you know in the sense you know so mm -hmm. okay well more upbeat of a question. If you were able to remove all barriers, all constraints, what type of project would you make and who would be on it? Oh, wow. Woo. How much time you got? Damn, I never even thought about that one. Um, dang, it would depend upon, I guess, what the overall goal would be you know what i mean it would be cool to like put out like a pop record and call beyonce <laughs> and britney spears and shit like go you know what i mean go like super platinum and make a gajillion bucks but no i mean i wouldn't really want a one hit i think if i could dang man there's so many there's so many great players now um like for example i look at my friend La lakeisha benjamin's record that's out now. And I think she has like 15 or 20 guest appearances on it. I think that's where I would have to be too. You know what I mean? If I could really just shoot the moon and get whoever I wanted, of course I'd want to have like Herbie and Ron on there, but I'd also have, I'd have to get everybody who played with miles on there. And I'd have to get anybody who played with train on there <laughs> somehow, but I want to get the young cats and I want to get, look, I mean, it's, you know, uh, I, I want to get my, my mentors on there, too. It would be too many people to name, man. You know what I mean? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to just try to try to deal with what I can and try to <laughs> deal with whatever budget I can get to try to play with the... I think, ultimately, you know what, man? 
like with this record, like reality check, I think something like that would ultimately be my, what I'd really want to do. Cause there's nothing really better than playing with your friends. You know what I mean? That there's I nothing do. really better than playing music with people that you love and respect, not just as musicians, but also as people. And I don't really know Joel that well personally. It's not like we came up together. We haven't really hung out together or anything like that. But he's, a, I mean, I, I can speak uh, from, what, from the little that I know about Joel. I can tell you that he's an incredibly highly intelligent, highly spiritual, highly enlightened being. Um, and musically a force of nature, you know. Um, but I from what I know about having come up on the scene with Rashawn and having played and known Mark and hung with him over the years, I can tell you also that those two cats are two of my favorite people to hang out with, be around, talk shit with, talk musically. I love their musical minds. Uh, they're high, also highly intelligent, really funny, down to earth, great people who I'd always, you know what I mean? Who I'd want to hang out with forever. So I think, you know, it's like, shoot me while I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? I'm really, I'm so, I'm so happy that I was able to get those cats together for that project. And honestly, that's why I was trying to get those cats on the road. And if I could do another project, I would, I would probably get them again. You know what I mean? I'd probably get a few other people. I want to get Ben Solomon on there. I want to get Emilio Modest on there, you know? <laughs> um, so tell us what else you're doing while you're down there in Costa Rica. Man, oh, well, oh, there's my dog, Herbie. Get over here. Get back, you nut. Um, I um, I have a French bulldog. His name is Herbie. I named after the maestro, Herbie Hancock. Herbie, get over here, you nut. Come, get over here. Um, honestly, uh, one of my greatest joys in life is hanging out with my dog <laughs> and making my dog happy. Okay. Um, so I spoiled the shit out of him. Um, the rest of the time, I like relaxation. I like the sun. I like meditation. I like gardening. <laughs> I like, now the beach is closed now, but I love surfing. Um, I love to go surfing. I love being in water and pristine water environments. Um, I find myself being really inspired by nature. I'm more interested about the surfing part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, we could tell that. I mean, but it's all. But I think the surfing, surfing thing is, is totally tied in with nature. Okay, um, so I was I was telling you before how like jazz life is being nocturnal, is being living like a vampire. It's like you stay until six, seven o'clock in the morning, and then you see the sun come up, and it's like, oh no, I've got to get you know, got to go to sleep, you know. Or you're on planes and trains and automobiles, and you're taking ten. 12 hour flights everywhere and you're tired and you don't know which way is up or what day it is. Um, so there's a thing about, about surfing and especially living with the sun cycles and the solar cycles, all the tides, the incoming tide or the outgoing tide, the high tide all has to do with the moon and the lunar cycles. And, and so everything is about the moon and the sun and living and waking with the sun and the moon and those rotations. So you live, for the surf and when the surf is coming in and you manage those tides. And so I'm able to see the sun come up every day and watch the sun go down every day. And there is an incredible feeling of feeling grounded and connected to the earth. Right. Especially like having that 
kind of reg- regularity of like getting up at the same time every day and going to sleep every day, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, also eating the same kind of foods and vegetables, also being around and like a lot of the, cause the time then you're not necessarily riding on the wave. Cause I'm not really a great surfer. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm a professional pianist. I'm not a professional surfer. Right. But some of the most beautiful moments that I've ever experienced in life are paddling into the surf or just sitting there waiting for an oncoming set and watching the stars or watching the moon come up or watching the moon and the sun and the clouds and the birds. And it really gives me, for me, it gives me a lot of clarity. It gives me a lot of solace. It is what really inspires a lot of my music. Um, and being surrounded by nature and nature working with the water for me is very, very therapeutic. Um, and when you're out in the ocean, there is an absence of sound, right? You only hear the water and the wind. And so for that, for me, it's very refreshing. It's almost like, it's like renewing. It's like, uh, it's like tapping into, you know what? I, I, um, a friend of mine stated it kind of poetically and that with music, is like connecting with your brother or sister, right? And that, and that's what's so great about jazz. There's so much interplay and give and take and conversation and right and it's in, it's in, you know that's what we live for, right? The quality of those conversations. That's that's the quality you know ends up being the quality of the music, um, but. When I'm surfing and I'm out in the ocean, I feel like I'm really communing with the mother. Okay. Um, As opposed to my sister or my brother. You know, I feel like I'm really getting, getting back to the earth and getting right with the earth. Okay. So what is the best compliment you ever received? I don't know. I'll be honest, man. A lot of the time... With compliments, it's like in e- in one ear, out the other, you know? Okay. Um, a lot of time people say, oh, man, you sound so killing or I love it so much. And I try to be gracious and say thank you um, as much as I can and accept those sentiments. However, there is a side of me just having to do with my ego and being a perfectionist and never really being totally uh happy with anything that i do (laughs) that if somebody gives me a really good compliment most of the time i'm honestly thinking to myself man i should have done better or i could have done better or you you thought that was good but you should have seen my best you know there's always an element for me like i've never really succeeded (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i'm always failing and that's that's part of what it is it's like trying and failing and trying and trying again and failing again picking yourself up again off the floor when you're ready to quit when you hate yourself and trying it again (laughs) and only to fail (laughs) knowing that you're gonna fail yes (laughs) but trying anyway (laughs) and i think for me that's the you know that's what keeps me going. I think that's what keeps a lot of us going, you know, because I think if at any point I really accepted like, man, I sounded so great and I sounded so killing and that solo, I just completely crushed every note. Right. I think it's when we start thinking like that, then 
we're kind of dead as an artist, <laughs> you know? Yes. I, now, once again, well said, I don't know what to add on that. <laughs> well, yeah, before we go, I always like to give a shout out and show respects to artists that came before us. So I'm going to tell you an instrument and two artists. You choose one and tell us which one you'd rather have and why. Okay, as a, what do you mean? To like play with me or uh, what do you mean? Yes, as to play with. I'm going to give you two artists. And you okay, say, and I got to pick one or the other? Yes. Oh, shit. How hard you okay. want to make this for you? I mean, I don't know what to expect. Shit. Okay, so, Shoot. okay, on trumpet, Clifford Brown or Lee Morgan? Ooh, man, why you got to do that to me, man? That's messed up, man. How you got to do that to me, man? I'm going to be honest. Yes. I love Clifford. Mm-hmm. I love Clifford. Clifford was probably, had he lived, probably would have changed the course, would have changed history. Nothing would have, I don't know, it's hard to say, had he lived. You know what I mean? Clearly, one of the brightest voices and probably had, had so much promise. But for me, I think in terms of my personality, in terms of just, just that rawness, Mm-hmm. and realness i think i'm gonna have to go with lee man you know and on the compositional tip you know what i mean yes i do I, i'm sorry i think i'm gonna have to go with lee you know okay on saxophone but i'm gonna be honest okay. ask me tomorrow and i might say clipper <laughs> <laughs> saxophone sonny volans or john coltrane oh well that's i mean with no disrespect to Sonny, man. I can't say anything disrespectful about Sonny Rollins, especially he's still here with us. So that's even more fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, you, come on, man. How are you going to have me okay, say no to Sonny and Sonny? Sonny's still alive and shit. You know what I mean? But with all due respect, I'm going to have to give it up, man. I got to play with John, man. I would... I. I I mean, come on, man. Okay. I grew up, I'm going to be honest, John Coltrane's music played in my house from a very early age. His music is sacred to me. I had a lot of very, very intense moments as a young adult, as a teenager playing his music, had many transcendental moments, listening to his music throughout my life, spent a lot of time trying to play with everyone who played with him or knew anything about him. Have idolized, knew all of it, learned a lot, many of his tunes. Haven't transcribed transcribed enough, but I've idolized John my whole life. I think he's probably one of the reasons why I play this music. I think about as we have just lost McCoy, right? Uh, weeks ago now. Um, I was really thinking about McCoy and meditating on McCoy, who was probably one of my greatest influences. I'd say my greatest influence was McCoy. And the reason why I feel so strongly about it is because I think about what my life would have been had John's music and the music that they made with the quartet not been in my life. Right. So I think about like, what would have my life been without Crescent, Love Supreme, all the way down the line, right? And I can honestly say that with 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 a lot you know, with some assuredness that had it not been for that music, I wouldn't have devoted my life to playing the piano. Okay. I would have done something else entirely, man. You know? So on bass, Ray Brown 
with Stanley Clark. Oh. oh, man. Come on, man. Stanley's still here, so I'm going to have to give it up to Ray Brown, bro. Come on, man. One of the swinging his baddest guys of all time, man. He was there with Oscar Peterson. I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm going to have to give it up to Ray Brown. There's still might, maybe a chance that Becca Goshvili might, you know, slide off the gig. I might be able to get one in with Stanley. You know what I mean? He's okay. still here, too. You know, with no disrespect to Stanley. I'm Call drunk. me <laughs> Max Roach or Joe, I mean, yeah, Joe Jones. Ooh. Come on, man. I, I, man, again, you're you're making this real hard, man. I don't know if you do this to everybody, man. Uh, Look, yes. I'm going to just have to say, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to go with Max, man. I'm going to have to go with Max. Fair. You yeah. know, I think I just have to get my, like, black radical, you know what I mean? <laughs> have to get my Afro pick, you know what I mean? And just have to go there for a minute for my 60s Max. I just have to do that, man, <laughs> just to keep it real. <laughs> okay. You know? I'm piano. Art Tatum or? No, it's just stop there. Don't even tell me to or. We're just going to end it right there with Tatum. That's God right there. Okay? It doesn't get any greater than that. You sure? Okay? I'm, I'm telling you, man. I don't know. Who are you going to say? Like Duke or something? No, I was going to say Herbie. Say nah, man. Herbie's still here, man. Herbie ain't got nothing. Not nothing. 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 Nothing on Art Tatum. Okay, that fine. You know right what? Art Tatum or the monk? Art Tatum. Art Tatum. Okay, fine. You win that one. Okay. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, Art Tatum, there's nobody, there's nobody that you can put except for maybe John, right? Maybe. But even then, you're going to have to give it up to God, bro. Because let me, let's just talk about it, man. I mean, we talk about Fats Wilder, Earl Father Hines, you know, Jelly Roll Morion. We talk about, you know, Willie the Lion Smith. Ain't nobody could touch God. Okay, that cat. When that cat came in, everybody else fell back. You know what I mean? I love Monk. No disrespect to Monk. No disrespect to Herbie. Monk is also one of my great influences. I love the music, especially as a composer. See, that's where Monk and Herbie, these guys, get over on the compositional shit. You know what I mean? Yes. But if you just want to, if you just want to, if you just want to talk about one of the greatest instrumentalists on any instrument that ever lived in the 20th century. That's, that's our Tatum right there, man. You know? So, okay. sorry, I have to go with that. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting into this shit. I'm like, yeah. Now I'm going to put my band together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you tell the people where to find your stuff, your website, your social media? Oh, man. I'm not even on that, John. Man, somebody tagged me in something. Um, no, I'm a... Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at Theo Keys. You, I got two Facebook pages. Just look me up, Theo Hill. Um, if anybody wants uh, to reach out and do any kind of private lessons or something like that, you can always email me at uh, theoshill at gmail.com. Um, I'm a very public person, but I, I do need to post more. Honestly, in this latest crisis, I'm just like off of social media. I don't even really have Wi-Fi here. I'm, I have no car. I'm kind of like off grid here in the jungle and I kind of like it. You know what I mean? 
The um, next album's going to be nasty. Yeah, yeah. The next one, <laughs> I, you know, the next one, the next one's going to be something. You know, honestly, it's all about process. It isn't really about finished product with this. You know what I mean? It's, one would seem that it's about finished product, but it's really about process. And with each time I've made a record, it's I've learned something that I want to apply to the next one. You know, and so. You know, hopefully just the next one. I'll just like, I'll just be happy if the next one, I, I don't know, if people if people continue to respond to the music and people are moved to the, you know, uh, moved by the music. And, um, and if it, if it makes people, if it makes people's lives a little better, a little easier, you know? Yeah. All right, then. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Leander Young, and thank you for listening to another episode of Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.